Hey guys, welcome to a episode of the NRL Hunter podcast. I am here with my friend Chaz McCrander. Chaz, how are you today, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you, Travis? I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. Super happy that you could join us on the show today and uh, just excited to have this time to talk with you about everything. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I'm I'm excited to uh, to be on here as well. Let's talk about NRL Hunter and your relationship to what NRL Hunter is and kind of um, your background in hunting and kind of dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I guess you hit me up. I can't remember if that was November or early December about the, no, it must have been, that might have even been late October about hosting a match for the NRL Hunter League and you had a little conversation on the phone. You kind of laid out the concept. And, you know, to me, it really interested me. Um, it's actually kind of how I ended up getting into um, the precision rifle shooting as a sport in the first place. I've been hunting ever since I was like, you know, a little kid. I, I don't know. I think the first year I actually was able to uh, legally hunt deer. I, my dad got me a tag and and took me out and I was able to fill that tag. But even before then, um, I remember being like eight years old and (laughs) my dad was a, he hunted coyotes pretty heavily. And you know, if they, uh, if the guy that had the coyote hounds wasn't, uh, wasn't around or the hounds had been run the day before, then I essentially became the coyote hound and he'd, (laughs) he'd dump me (laughs) off in a ditch with a uh, 22 Buckmark pistol and and have me walk a ditch, you know, it'd give me, you know, 50 rounds or something like that. So I'd walk the section and around here, typically the, you know, typically there's a road um, about every mile. So the a typical farm sections, one mile by one mile. And in this part of the state, there's roads pretty much on, on every side of the section. And so I'd walk that crack or walk the ditch or, or the timber to the other end and you know he'd be parked in the field somewhere with his pickup waiting for coyotes to squirt out and shoot him and he'd pick me up at the road or stop to pick me up on the road and you know say well do you do you, you know you feel like walking the ditch on the other side of the road here and i'd say yeah so he'd give me another box of another box of 50 22 shells and you know i he'd say, you know, when you get down in there in that heavy part or where the ditch gets wide, you know, make sure you find something to shoot at and make some noise and stuff like that. So just been hunting forever. And uh, I guess the way I got into the long range precision shooting was uh, I was pretty competent with a uh, with my rifle at the time I was running. A, I want to say it was a Leopold VXL. Uh, four and a half by 14 with the Boone and Crockett BDC reticle in it. And I was killing a lot of coyotes and deer anywhere from like 350 to 550 yards with that thing. And I was having nice. some pretty decent luck. But there were, the where I'd hunt, I'd, I'd continually see these monster bucks out there 600 to 800 yards. And I thought, you know, I can... I can do this. I feel like I'm a good enough shooter to be able to hit those. And I just thought becoming a better shooter seemed like a lot more, a lot more fun of a, 
the, the process of becoming a better shooter seemed a lot more fun to me than becoming a much better hunter and being in the right spot at the right time. So that's kind of how I got into precision rifle shooting in the first place was just as a, um, as an effort to not be limited by my ability as a shooter to take animals that I wanted. And, um, you know, obviously within, within ethical standards and stuff like that, I didn't, didn't have a lot of situations or really any situations that I could think of where, where I was shooting deer at those distances, you know, that 350 to 550 yards where I was missing them or, you know, maiming them and them getting away or something, you know, it was kind of had a pretty good run there. I think six years in a row, I didn't have a shot under 350 and, you know, one bullet, one deer, and they really didn't, really didn't go anywhere. They might take a few steps and then dump. So, um, anyway, that's kind of what got me into it. And, you know, you get into the sporting aspect and I remember my first precision rifle that I built, I had, I, I was kind of thinking dual purpose for it, you know? So it, at the time it was a, uh, it was a big horn TL2 action that I was shooting. I was running a 26 inch medium Palma in six, five by 47 had a KRG whiskey three stock. And I want to say that gun came in right at about 16 pounds uh, with loaded magazine and bipod and sling and all that stuff on it. But through the, through the years of, of competing in, in the precision rifle sport and the NRL and stuff, I just kind of felt like I was a little disadvantaged by having the lighter gun. Some of the positional stuff I might not have always caught, um, caught any sort of a splash signature or, you know, just the bullet signature of impacting the ground if I'd missed. So I started going a little bit heavier and heavier with the rifles. So that's kind of where I ended up. And when you told me about how there was going to be weight limits and everything for this and a minimum power factor, that, that really jumped out to me. I really, really thought that was a great idea. And I think this is the NRL Hunter League as a sport just has a ton of potential to kind of encourage other hunters like me to um, seek out more training and to go out and practice more and really know their, their weapon system when they go out hunting so that whatever shot they take, regardless of how far it is, that they can do it, you know, they'll know their limitations of what they can ethically do. Right. And I, I just really, really enjoy that aspect of this. You know, and, and that's the big thing. You know, the NRL Hunter Series has started off, and because of our reputation in the tactical world, I guess, or because of, of the competitions that we've been, the two-day national competitions that we've been doing, we have a lot of guys that immediately got super interested in the new hunter series because it offered a a different platform or a different opportunity for guys to compete in but in reality this hunter series um wasn't really designed for the nrl prs competition dynamics type of competitor this series um was designed or is designed for hunters, it's designed for your average Joe 
to be able to come out and um, I use the word compete because you know we all want we all want and should have goals, but it's a place for people to test and find out their limitations not only on their skill set but on their gear, um, on the equipment that they're using, how to use it. Uh, it's it's really a place of education and discovery because, in my opinion, you know, um, taking a ethical shot or you know, ethics is it, it, it's a whole different you know it could be a completely different conversation we can get into, but being able to know your gear and and your limitations is a big part of hunting, and um, and this is kind of that platform that we want people to be able to discover themselves in, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, and I, and I totally agree. And I, I think it's going to um, definitely be more of a, uh, more of a, a, a training scenario for, or, um, or as much of a training scenario for hunters as it will be a, a competition outlet for them as well. And likewise, you know, you might, I mean, if you're spending a lot of money to uh, draw a tag in in a different state or go on a once-in-a-lifetime hunt, then obviously just the financial investment that you have in that should drive you to want to get out there and practice and train a little bit Absolutely. as well. But, you know, if you, if you haven't been put in a situation where you had that once in a lifetime mule deer or whitetail or elk or you know whatever game you happen to be hunting and weren't able to get on the thing fast enough build a steady position get a range and uh and break the shot you know that would be that would be pretty pretty heartbreaking and i think the i think when you throw a a competition aspect into it going all right i'm gonna go here um, go to this match and there's going to be, you know, 100, 200 other guys like me out there at this match, then then I want to try and do well. And I think it's going to encourage them to get out there and practice with some of this stuff. And then, you know, once they shoot their first match, they're definitely, you know, you're, you're going to find where your deficiencies are. And, you know, if you, if you want to try it again and, and have any success in it, then it's going to encourage practicing and training in those areas. And I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic thing. So even if we only get that, that hunter that comes out and shoots just one match, um, even if he decides that, that it's not something he wants to do on a regular basis, or even on, you know, even if he doesn't decide to do it once a year, I think he's going to come away come away from the match knowing where his deficiencies are and and the type of things that he should be be working on to make sure that when that once in a lifetime mule deer does step out of the timber or step through a brief window in the timber or or a tree line or something like that you know 400 yards away that he's going to have his act together and be able to uh, get on it, manage his dope properly, get a range, build a steady position, and take that shot, and and hopefully have some success in their hunt. You just touched on so many different key points in that it is what you what you just laid out. I couldn't agree more with, and I want to try and kind of take what you just said and break it down a little bit. Um, okay, if we look 
at the average cost to go on a out-of-state hunt, okay, um, what do you think, like, what, what, what do you think that is? I mean, do you, do you hunt out-of-state, or, do, I mean, you guys got deer everywhere out there in Nebraska, but do you hunt out-of-state? Have you ever done that before? I, uh, the only out-of-state hunt I've ever done was a high-fence hunt for black buck down in Texas, and it was a deal one of my customers at work, Jeremy Massad, um, I kind of helped him out on some things and, you know, set his kid up with a good place to uh, fill his deer tag one year. And he gets a hunt through one of the distributors that he works for. So he took me down there. Um, but outside of that, that's the only out-of-state hunt I've been on. Nebraska is pretty diverse in the, um, <laughs> in the wildlife from, from one side of the state to the other. So I have an uncle that lives out in western Nebraska where they have a lot of mule deer. And, you know, some of the places that we hunt have mule deer and whitetail. So about every other year I go out to western Nebraska and, and do a hunt out there. So my experience buying out-of-state tags isn't, isn't vast or even existent, to be honest with you. I would imagine you, you're spending, you know, five to six hundred dollars just in in out-of-state licensing and out-of-state non or sorry non-resident hunting license and non-resident um tags yes so i just went on a elk hunt to utah and just to get my tag so i i was very fortunate from uh my friend terry to get a late season elk hunt deprivation tag on private land that mm -hmm. tag was given to me, but I still had to uh, transfer the tag into my name and get my licenses. And that still cost me just around 500, 600 bucks. Oh, wow. Just so yeah. I could get permission to go and be legal to hunt there. Mm -hmm. That didn't include any of my travel. That didn't include any of my gear. None of that, right? Um, yeah. Travel, I drove from California to Utah. Um, I was very fortunate that Paul Dallin um, was going on the hunt with me. He was helping me out because I never never went after big game before, and he let me stay at his house. Um, so I was able to save a couple of bucks there. But, you know, I had to go get new gear because I was shooting in or I was going to be hunting in very cold weather. I'm from California. It, you know, it doesn't get that cold here where I have to have special, you know, special wool clothing where in Utah you do. Um, at yep. your place, you have to have special clothing, man. I freeze every time I go to your match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's quite an expense and a lot of work to even get to go on the opportunity to hunt something without even harvesting an animal. So right. when you go to a hunt like this or on an adventure like this, you know, there's guys that hunt locally in their same state like you do. There's guys that hunt only out of state because it's better. Uh, and then there's guys that love their destination hunts. When I hunt in California, I've been hunting in California for four or five years. And I've never been lucky enough to see a legal buck that I could shoot in California. So I have shot zero oh. big game in California. Wow. 
right? It's crazy. So I have to go out of state to better my odds. Um, for me, if I'm going to spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars to go on a hunt and it's only going to happen in a very short window of time throughout the year, I want to be as prepared and as knowledgeable as possible before I go on that hunt. Right. Right. So when we look at a NRL hunter match, you know, a lot of people are like, it's a match, it's a game, it's, you know what, it's all of those things, but it's, more importantly, it, it is what you want it to be. If you want it just to be a game, that's fine. But if you go there to learn and use it as a experience to become a better hunter, a more ethical hunter, then you're not paying for a game, you're paying for an education. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, and, and I think the knowledge that that you'll get from it is is going to be invaluable when <laughs> when that two hundred inch mule deer does step out of the timber or step out, step out of the tree line for you at four hundred and fifty yards somewhere. I, I think absolutely. it's just going to you're going to be very grateful that that you got into this. Absolutely. So, I shot my first my first elk this past you know last month. It's my first big game animal ever. As soon as I took that shot, Paul and Terry both watched Trace. The animal went down one shot. It was a high shoulder. After all the excitement and everything calmed down and whatever, um, Paul and I were talking about it, and that shot was at 544 yards. Nice. With a 300 wind mag. Now, if I hadn't been a part of the uh, precision rifle community and doing NRL for the past four or five years. And if I hadn't practiced with Paul the day before or, or the couple of days before that on how and what to do, there's no way in hell I would have felt comfortable taking that shot. It's what I've learned through precision rifle competition and through the practice that of Paul and I working together as a team before the hunt that made all of this come together. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think my, um, for sure, my, my ability to ethically or the, the ranges that I can ethically, you know, shoot an animal at and, you know, depending on atmospheric conditions, obviously, and wind and whatnot, but, um, has, has greatly greatly grown since i've since i've got into this sport and uh that's that's one of the things that really excites me about the nrl hunter league is just being able to potentially bring that to a a, a wider range of people no absolutely i mean we've all been there when you know hunting stories and fishing stories seem to go hand in hand as Every time you talk about them, they seem to get exaggerated. But it's it's uh, frightening sometimes when you hear of a, a hunter who, who could be a new hunter. They could have been hunting, you know, all their lives. But they talk about this awesome adventure they had, how they took this crazy long shot. And then the next thing that comes out of their mouth is, is, is a question about, 
uh, how to properly use a piece of essential gear. And right. that to me, if, if you don't know how to use that piece of essential gear is not only doing you a disservice, but you could be, you know, putting, you know, making unethical shots. You could be wasting a lot of time and a lot of money. I mean, yeah. And, and that, you know, and there is, there are a lot of, a lot of hunters out there and, you know, I talk to them from time to time that, you know, they'll, they, they never have a shot or they, they hunt in a place to where they don't have an opportunity for a shot further than 75 yards or, you know, they, they look at a deer that's out there 200 yards out and, and consider that to be out of their range. And, you know, most people that, that can sight in a rifle can, you know, they're, they're definitely capable of shooting, (laughs) taking something at 200 yards, but they just haven't had their eyes open to it yet. And they, they haven't done it or haven't had the opportunity or the range to practice at that distance. And, you know, they're really limiting themselves on, on what they're, what animals they're allowed to harvest or, or able to harvest. And then that puts you in situations to where maybe you're harvesting a, a deer that's, you know, a buck that's not in his prime yet. He's not a, um, he's not a dominant breeder. And so it kind of hurts the, hurts the hunting in that area as well, you know, right. because you're, you're harvesting bucks before they should really be harvested and haven't had a chance to really, I guess, breed and, you know, spread their, their, (laughs) spread their, uh, gene pool. And, you know, you can be a lot more selective if you, if you have the ability to take some of those, um, three or 400 yard shots. Exactly. And, and kudos to the hunters that know what their limitations are, because, if you know that you can shoot, you know, whatever animal at 200 yards and that you have a, a, a great success ratio, you know, at 200 yards and in, then absolutely, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I think that, that that that's that's perfectly great. That's the, that's the right thing to do, for sure. Yes. I, I agree. That's the right thing to do. But as more and more people get into hunting and you know, as animals are getting further and further away and more skittish and it's harder to hunt, you know, people are starting to stretch those, those limits. Now I'm not necessarily a big fan of extreme long range hunting. Um, but I, I, I think having at least having the knowledge and the skill set and the ability to be able to choose to ethically take that shot is a lot better than saying, well, that's the buck I want at 500 yards, but I know I could only shoot 200 yards, so I'm going to settle for that one. I, I'm a hunter, but I do have I do have, have an appreciation for the animals, you know, and, and uh, a, a, what I feel is a healthy respect for them. Right. Uh, you know, I, I firmly believe that the most humane death a wild animal can have is to be you know, taken at the hand of an ethical hunter. I mean, outside of that, what, what happens? They, they get sick, die of a disease. They die of, die of old age, you know, because their, their teeth are ground down and they can't, um, can no longer, 
uh, eat the food sources that that give them the the nutrition that they need to sustain life, or they get um, eaten alive, but first by a predator of some right. sort, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if I'm going to go out there and try and offer this animal the the most humane death it's probably gonna gonna see or potentially see, then I want to do my part and make sure that that I do give that to them and not just, you know, break their back legs. So now they're, now they're crippled and trying to survive in the elements, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the worst. I wouldn't wish that on my, my enemy. That's just, that's horrible to think about. Right. But yeah, with the current situation that, you know, I'm not trying to get political. uh, This is not a political show. And I've, I've never really been political with any of the stuff that I, I do. Um, but it, it's right now with the climate that our world is in with stay at home orders and, and COVID and all of that kind of stuff, more and more people are getting out into nature and more and more people are becoming fishermen or fisherwomen, anglers and hunters. And with this new, and you know new growth of hunting and the popularity of it um there's a lot of people that just don't know and there's a lot of people that um i as far as so this may sound really weird to you but as far as i know i am the first in my family to ever go hunting my dad's not a hunter. oh really yeah my, my dad's not a hunter. My brother's not a hunter. My sister was in the army. She shotguns, no problem, but she's never hunted. Um, even my, my brother-in-law, uh, he's never hunted. Nobody in my family's ever hunted uh, that I have any direct relationship with. And so I'm the first one to do this. And, and I chose to do this because I wanted to be able to know that I could put food on the table for my family. And I think that mindset is starting to grow with a lot of people. Um, I don't know how how it is or how it was in your your neck of the woods in Omaha and Nebraska and northeastern Nebraska. But in California, during the height, the first round of of the pandemic, um, the height of that, if I went to a grocery store, I was only allowed to buy two things of meat. It could be one chicken, one beef, two beefs, one, just whatever. Two pieces of protein. That's all I was allowed to buy. I eat meat every day. Two pieces of protein isn't going to suffice me for the week. I have, you know, I'd have to go to the grocery store every day. And even then, a lot of it was being sold out because people were panic buying. And that's really what convinced me and convinced Brittany to say, you know what, I've always want, you know, for the past five years, I've really wanted to harvest an animal. And that's another good reason for me to go out is to learn how to do this because, you know, yes, I can get meat at the grocery store, but I'm not going to get a cleaner, better source of protein than if I go out and harvest it myself. That 100%. Yep, that's one hundred percent true. You don't have to worry about, you know, the 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 meat that you're eating. That animal's never been abused. Um, well, it, 
it's probably been abused once or twice, but that's by nature. But right. uh, you know, the animal rights people don't—they they always seem to gloss over that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely the 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 cleanest food source, in, in my opinion, that you can get. And you know, as far as having an animal that that lived a lived a good life. Um, for for your food source, I think I think hunting's the definitely the best best place to get that. I agree. And so when so Scott Satterley is, is the brainchild behind the NRO Hunter series. Last year he started uh, he held a one one off match called the Hornaday Precision Hunter Challenge, and it was a huge success. Um. At the time, and currently, Scott is um, our director of match operations, our managing director of match operations for all of the NRL. He and I sat down and we talked about his concept. We talked about things that we thought needed to, to be modified and a way to turn this into a series. And the NRL Hunter series was literally born in October at his house at his dining room table and I got super excited about it because this is the type of environment that I want to be in personally to become a better more ethical hunter and if you happen to do well great if you're going to to use it as a competition to beat your just see where you rank up against your buddies and become better great um I'd love to see how I do against my friends. I I don't ever have this notion that I'll be a, a number one shooter in the world or number one shooter in the, the nation or even my state. But there's a couple of people out there who I know I want to be able to compete against my peers to try to up, you know, up my game, if that makes sense. And that's yep. what these matches are for. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think it's going to be a great outlet for that. I really do, and uh, you know, I I really hope that that's that that's the type of spirit of the competitors or the the hunters that we get that want to come out and and participate in this. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great idea. I think it's it's um, uh, going to be a I, I want to say I, I'm going to say a, a niche, but I, I don't know if that's the right word for it because I think that's kind of usually used in used to describe a, a small fa- faction of a group but uh because i do believe that this is going to you know within a few years grow and and be much much larger than the um much larger than the other sports that this is kind of born out of but um I, I, I think I think it's going to be a good outlet for that, and I I think it's going to grow and and blow up pretty big. I agree, and and this the series is born this year with nine qualifying matches, and then the championship, which is um, also known as the Grand Slam, which is going to be taking place in August. But the Heartland Harvester that is our inaugural match, and. We are super honored to have you at the helm of that. Well, I'm very, very grateful that you guys had me in mind. And um, 
reached out and in I guess it allowed me to be part of this and you know come in on the ground level so I'm pretty excited for that um, you know my my regular NRL match I've I've tried to and it hasn't always um, I guess the first two years weren't well the the first year wasn't necessarily ran this way but the second year it was kind of a half and half but you know like my NRL match last year the the Bighorn Steel Classic I don't I think I had one man-made prop at that at that match and it was uh like one of the South Dakota jack legs that that Jared Horsky had built out of cedar trees that we had cut down to clear some shooting lanes and uh you know outside of that it was pretty natural position natural terrain stuff and I really I've been trying to um trying to run that match in a way to where I'm putting shooters in in positions and situations that match the practical application of precision rifle shooting you know i don't use man-made barricades try and try and get rid of some of the circus props and stuff like that because i i do believe in you know the the whole rifleman mindset of this you know not to not to i guess jump on to uh Phil and Kaylin's coattails there, but, uh, you know, that, that just speaks to me, you right. know, and, and I, and I don't think they invented the word rifleman by any, and they stretch the imagination, but, but I definitely buy into that mindset. You know, this is none of what we're doing is, is any good. If you can't, can't take something that you're doing in a precision rifle match and, be able to to practically apply those things in a real world hunting situation or you know even you know from a a, a tactical aspect as well so i i've been trying to trying to run my match in that way so this um i i was really excited by the concept of this because i kind of already um kind of already gear my match that way and so I, I, I look forward to coming up with some interesting stuff for this. So, you know, when we were looking at and discuss Scott and I were looking at and discussing, you know, who and, and, and where to, to get these matches going, um, one of the biggest things that we looked at was terrain. And terrain is a huge factor because all of the stages are blind stages, so you can't necessarily have a square range you have to have some dynamics to the environment and when we're looking at this and we're thinking about environments and we're thinking about logistics and things of that nature uh, I kid you not I I immediately thought of you immediately because this is and if you've ever been to one of Chaz's um, uh, NRL two-day matches, race gun matches, uh, you'll understand what I'm saying. Or if you're from, you know, the Nebraska area, you'll understand what I'm saying. But your weather conditions in in the February time frame are crazy. And I think that that is the perfect scenario. Um, majority of hunting is done in imperfect conditions. Uh, yeah. My hunt in, in Utah 
It was in the single digits. It snowed one day. It rained one day. It was warm. It was muddy. It was everything. If if you just went out and you just bought a new rifle or or you have your rifle and you've never tested yourself in these conditions and you only go out when it's perfect weather, you're doing yourself a disservice. If yeah. You could go out to, you know, Chaz's match and you could run your gear and you know at the end of that weekend that your rifle, whatever rifle it is, it doesn't matter. Your rifle, your scope, and everything that you need to be successful on a hunt still works for you. That means you can have the confidence to go just about anywhere in the country and know that your gear is going to work when you're going after that that big game. Because your match is, is definitely some of the harshest conditions I've ever been to a match in. It, it definitely, uh, definitely can be. That's for sure. Right. Um, but you know, me as a, as a competitive shooter, man, if there's a match and we get inclement weather, it's like that, that is usually, uh, usually means I'm going to finish a good 10, 10 slots above my average match finish, you know? Yes. Um, some of my best best finishes in rifle matches have been from just nasty, nasty weather. My, the very first rifle match I ever shot, as a matter of fact, it was, um, it was a competition dynamics match. It was the Rocky Mountain Steel Safari that they hosted up in Douglas, Wyoming. And yeah. the first day, beautiful weather, got a sunburn, as a matter of fact. Next day I wake up, I actually camped. And uh, next day I wake up and there's like six inches of snow on the ground. And I bet we got another six to eight inches on the ground after that. And I, I ended up finishing third in the carving division at that. Nice. And, um, you know, the first year I shot Battle of Breakneck, I can't remember if that was 2016 or 2015, but it was, uh, it was a deal where, you know, it was uh, 35 or 36 degrees at eight o'clock in the morning when the match started and raining and by the end of the day it was 21 degrees and snowing and just terrible terrible weather and i think i got 11th or 12th or tied for 11th or 12th at that match and <laughs> you kind of came away from that match thinking man i'm gonna i'm just gonna tear this sport up i did really good well what, what actually happened is it just, I, I don't seem to fall off in the bad weather as much as everybody else because, you know, the, the majority of my, my experience with the rifle is, oh, awesome, we got eight inches of snow this, you know, last night, so I'm going to throw a rifle on my shoulder and a couple calls in my pocket and put my snow gear on, and I'll just go out and, you know, just hike through the fields, you know, and put on a couple miles and just, you know, walk a couple you know, six, 700 yards, sit down, find a good spot to call, call, get some success or, or not. And then just kind of pick up and, and keep hiking to the, to the next side of it. So it's, it's definitely a, a good thing to shake out your gear. And if you are a hunter, you know, the, the February weather is going to be, uh, February Nebraska weather is going to be very, very familiar for you. If you, if you hunt in the mountains or, or, you know, especially if you're a, a coyote hunter, no matter where you're hunting, 
it's going to be very similar conditions to that. So if you have some success doing that, this is this is going to be right up your alley. And the opposite, if you've never done that before, you need to do that. You need to go out and see how your gear runs, how you compete or how you perform in that situation. Because if you don't and you happen to go on a hunt and then it does snow on you, you're not going to know how to be prepared for that. And that depending where you're where you're at if you're backcountry hunting that could be life threatening if you don't know how to prepare yep. for that if you know you're on a, a destination hunt well you only got a limited day number of days to hunt if you're you know on a destination so you might be stuck shooting in that kind of weather so you know it goes a part of being a well-rounded hunter is you have to be able to survive in any of those conditions whether it's you know you know, five degrees or 105 degrees, if you don't know how you and your gear reacts to that, then you seriously are doing yourself a disservice on being a true huntsman. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the other nice thing about it is, is once you've, once you've done it, you, you, you know that there's not a whole lot of adversity that you can't handle, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, the Battle of Breakneck uh, in 2016, it was kind of funny. Like that entire year, you'd hear people talking about it. You'd be someplace and it'd start raining and somebody would complain about it. And and guys that were at that match, or, you know, they, they reminisce about it like it was Vietnam or something, you know, just right. like, oh, were you there? I was there. You didn't, you have no clue how bad it was, you know. So um, it, it, it makes a good it makes for a good story, makes for a good memory. And, um, you know, I'm not hoping for, for sucky weather by any stretch of the imagination. You know, um, if February is actually probably a little bit more predictable in Nebraska than March is. Um, but unfortunately it's just predictably cold. So, you know, you're probably looking at somewhere between 20 and 40 degrees, potentially snow, we have calm days. We have, you know, 15 to 25 mile an hour wind days in February. So it, it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. You, you know, it, and I, I look forward to your match every year. I'm super excited to be at the Hunter match. Um, I'll be at all of the Hunter matches uh, this year. Um, I'm excited to meet a ton of new people. I'm excited to help educate new people. Uh, I'm excited to, to get feedback. Uh, this is the, the first year to literally a brand new concept for a sport. I mean, there's never been these type of matches in this format. Uh, there's been stuff similar, but not not this dedicated to hunters. So we're, we're here and we're going to be a part of the community and we're going to learn and we're going to make it the best that we can. But every single um, hunter match, hunter event, will be a community-type event, and it's going to be a ton of fun and a opportunity just to learn so much. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. And if you are a new shooter out there, not a new shooter, but you know maybe an experienced hunter, and this is going to be kind of your first time, uh, getting into the competitive shooting, we uh, included in the match registration fee to sign up. 
we do have a um, we do have a train up that we'll be offering. It won't be at the same range as the match. It'll just be a few miles away, but we'll we'll set up a couple mock stages um, in in some scenarios that are going to be very similar to what you're going to be seeing in the match, and you know, kind of go over stage flow, um, gear management. Um, keeping track of your dope and all that stuff and and try and try and set guys that are new to this sport up for success you know through the through the four hour training so uh, there is some added benefit to that for the new guys I know you That's know two hundred and seventy five dollars yeah two hundred and seventy five dollars might seem might seem pricey to a guy that hasn't been competing in this sport. 275 let's just round that up to 300 bucks for the batch you're getting three days of education and entertainment and knowledge and fun you have you know one day uh i, I believe it's you and isaiah curtis doing the train up right that's correct yep so one day you get a train up by Chaz and isaiah curtis so you're getting one day of, of education at a hundred bucks, that's unheard of. A precision rifle class, you're gonna spend easily that, you know, for for one day, three hundred bucks for a one day class, easy. You're getting for three hundred bucks for three days. You're getting a match train up. You're getting a competition on day one, and you're getting a competition on day two. Now you're also getting meals provided on day two and day three. You know, because you're going to get a lunch and you're going to get some kind of a, a dinner during the award ceremony. You have the opportunity to win awesome, badass prizes from our sponsors. You get to meet a bunch of new people. You get to, to learn a bunch of new knowledge for 300 bucks. Okay. Travel. Well, if you're going to go on a hunt, you're going to travel. You know, there's not... You know, there's not many people in the country that can walk out their backyard and shoot a deer. I know there's places that you can do that, but California and a lot of the western states, you certainly can't do that. Um, so you're going to have to travel. Not that much money, especially if you're breaking it down with a couple of buddies and they're all going to chip in for gas. Get you and three of your friends, jump in your Ford and head to Nebraska and have some fun. Ammunition. If you think... I think I think the maximum round count per stage. I mean, maximum round count per stage is going to be roughly eight. Twenty stages, it's one hundred and sixty rounds. If you're a new competitor and you think you're going to actually shoot one hundred and sixty rounds, you're not. Part of this is finding, ranging, and then engaging the target. Most people are going to have a hard time finding all of their targets, which means that you're not going to be shooting at them. And if you are a good shot, you only have to shoot once per target, which means that you could effectively get yep. away with only shooting half the amount of ammunition. Yeah. Right? So 80 rounds is another 150 bucks, maybe. Right? Yeah. It's not that expensive. You're going to spend more time if you plan a vacation to Disneyland. Here at the match, you're going to have 100 people of like-minded individuals all there to help you out, share stories, give you ideas, and make you guys better hunters. 
You guys say that you're hunters, you're good at what you do, come out, become better, learn from other people, share your knowledge with other people, and build this community because that's what it's all about. I don't care if you come in first place or last place. If you walk away with knowledge and experience, you automatically have have upped your game and your skill set tenfold. So yeah. the cost of 275 or $300 for three days of entertainment, knowledge, and fun is nothing. It, that's not yeah. a lot of money. No, it's it it's definitely, you know, there's there's been very few times, um, you know, since since I got into um, the precision rifle shooting sports in general, or that that I have left the match, and and I've had some awful finishes, but been very few times where I've left the match with a prize that is not worth more than my match entry fee. Right. You know, so there's, there's, and I'm not, I'm not promising that to everybody, obviously, but, um, it's, it, there's definitely, definitely some re return on your investment there. And some of my closest friends, I've been, I've been doing this since 2016 and as of today, some of the closest friends that I have, if you if you go through my phone and see the guys that I that I call the most often, are guys that I literally just met through this sport. Yeah. Outside of that, I would have never known them, and they're they're some of my closest friends now. So it it is that that community aspect of of getting into a community of like minded people um, has been worth every dime that I have that I've spent on this. You know in tra traveling and match entry fees and rifles and gear and in practice and all that stuff it, it's been 100 percent worth it if it weren't just for that you know that's that that to me is the biggest the biggest takeaway from all of this is is the community you know um knowledge and education absolutely but community people that i i i literally trust with my life and, and with my family, and I know that I can count on, that is invaluable. I mean, that's truly, truly priceless. <laughs> right, right. But, but in, in, you know, really and it's know, really know handy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it's really handy to have some friends that may live a few states away in case you need to, uh, Bug out of you California. know, disappear because you got photographed on the floor of the Senate. <laughs> wearing your buffalo hat and you just need a place to hide out from the FBI for a few years. Right. <laughs> I was in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still yeah. live in California, gosh. But uh, if you guys haven't, you know, thought about it or, or you're interested but you just don't know, uh, you have questions, there's a, a group of the NRL Hunter community on Facebook Go in there and ask questions. Um, I know it can be a tough crowd in there sometimes, but speak up. And, you know, if you have an intelligent question, um, we're going to reach out to you. Uh, you can try to DM myself or, or, you know, Chaz. I don't know if you check your direct messages, but I, I don't really check those that often. Um, but talk to us on the forums or send us emails through the nrlhunter.org website. Um, 
there's an FAQ section on there, and we'll do our best to to get back to you. But the biggest thing is, is don't be afraid to come out to one of these matches because you might not do well. Well, that's the whole purpose of these matches, is to see how good you are so you can become better. No one's going to judge yeah. you because you can't hit a target at 500 yards. It's going to be the exact opposite. And I know that yeah. because I was one of those people. And I'm now sure. one of the people that are going to run up to you and say, let me help. And you, you can believe me or not, but you can ask anybody in this community, in the precision rifle community, I will bend over backwards to help you become better at what you do. Um, and I know Chaz yeah. is that way. I know Scott Satterley is that way. I know all of our match directors are that way. And I know 90% of the people in our sport are that way. So, you know, everyone's welcome. I, everyone's welcome to come out. We encourage you to come out and learn and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let, don't let ego or, or fear of not, um, you know, <laughs> fear of learning something about yourself or your ability hold you back from getting into this because that, I mean, we, we've all been there. We've all had to, um, all had to put ourselves out there at one point in time and, you know, maybe learn an uncomfortable truth about ourselves. But, you know, that's the, that's kind of the, the starting point of, of getting better. And if everybody wants to be a better hunter, um, better shooter, whatever it is, um, finding your baseline and, and where you're at and what you need to improve on is, is the first step. And everybody, everybody that competes uh, was a rookie at one point, right? Yep. There's, there's nobody that just kind of started out as, as the best or as the top guy. And, um, we, we've all been down that road. We've all taken this path and just the, you know, kind of back to the community thing, the, the learning curve that coming out and getting to know some of these guys can, or, or what, what coming out and meeting some of these guys can do to your learning curve. Uh, they can save you a lot of money and a lot of time, and you can learn a lot from somebody else's uh, hard-learned lesson that will will save you time and headache and heartache over the future. So it's definitely a definitely a great thing to get involved with. You know, the other thing that there. people may feel insufficient on is gear. If gear is what's limiting you from coming out, you know, you don't have a nice set of binos, you don't have the right bag or you don't have this or you don't have that that those are excuses reach out to me um find me before after during a match and, and let me know what you need help with and if i have it i'll it's yours to use if i don't have it i'll find one for you to use the nrl hunter will have a loaner rifle program um i should have one of my personal rifles uh for people to borrow at every match, HS Precision has dedicated a couple of rifles that'll be out a little bit later in the season because of production. Um, and I know some other manufacturers are going to be putting up some loaner rifles. So people can try, you know, a, a different rifle if they don't have something that they're currently comfortable with. Or if you want, you know, like Vortex just announced a new 
tripod, a new bino setup, and a new a bunch of things. We'll have all of that stuff at matches for people to try out. And, and, and you could literally try before you buy, which is another great opportunity for you guys to save money and find out what, re what really works for you in a hunting scenario. There's not many opportunities that you're going to get where a guy's going to say, here's my, here's my hunting rig, here's my hunting rifle, go compete and have fun. The NRLH will do yep. that. Yep. No, that's fantastic. And in that, you know, I think that will help take away some of that, um, some of the excuse to not get involved or, you know, like you said, don't let that be what, what prevents you from, from getting into this. Yep. Shoot. I think you still have my shooting mat. I do. <laughs> I do. I've got your shooting mat, two of your chairs. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, literally, you know, the match director, that's kind of his prize table is the lost and found, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's uh, the, the, those are the prizes I get. Whatever Travis uh, Travis forgets to take with him. Well, <laughs> it might be a little late, but go ahead and keep that stuff. I've replaced it already because I. <laughs> well, I planned on it. No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no, All I, right. I. It's yours. <laughs> I've had a great time chatting with you about a bunch of different things. So it's, the Heartman Harvester. It's going to be a good. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh! I just put blank on the dates. Heartland Harvester. February, is... February nineteenth through the twenty-first. So, so the, the sign-in registration day is going to be on the nineteenth, which is a Friday. We're going to start the four-hour train up. I think I can't remember if it was eleven or noon, but if you sign up for the match, you'll get um, get an email with that kind of information. The match, uh, we're going to have 18 stages, so the round counts, maximum round count, I think, is going to be 144 rounds. Um, if, you, if you don't time out and you miss every target on the first shot, you'll shoot 144 rounds. Um, but I, I don't necessarily foresee people doing that. We're going to have a few targets inside, you know, on a few stages, a few targets inside 200 yards. Good. Um, Maximum distance will be 900 yards. The vast majority of the match, though, as far as targets, are going to be between, you know, 300 and 600 yards. Um, the targets, they're all appropriately sized. So they're animal-shaped targets. So, I'll, you know, it'll be a, you know, if it's a stage where you're shooting foxes, it'll, you know, be a little steel target that's the shape of a fox but it's not going to be the size of an entire fox it's going to be roughly the kill zone of a of a red fox so it the the body of the you know if you were to overlay a rectangle over the body of the shape of this fox it's going to be roughly four inches tall by you know seven or eight inches wide and uh that way we're we're keeping all of the targets um, appropriately sized for kill zones. It, you know, wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be good for for shooters learning their limitation on certain game if we've got a full size steel deer out there, right. and you know, you you get points for for hitting it in the butt. You know, that doesn't do anybody any good. So, um, you know, the and the targets will will be animal shaped and size for the. 
appropriate game in in Nebraska. I might have used a little imagination and pretended that we have antelope pronghorn in my side of the state, which which were a good four hours from from antelope, but um, just kind of because of the congestion of the where the targets are going to be laid out, I wanted wanted to throw another shape in there just so you don't con- get confused as to what you're shooting at. So we're going to have deer, antelope, coyote, bobcat, and fox. Those are going to be the um, targets you're going to be shooting at. Um, as far as stage flow, we'll have some stages where you'll be in one position and you'll have to engage four targets. And we'll have some stages where you'll have two targets that you have to engage from two different positions or one target from four four different positions. But we're going to keep the round count to eight rounds maximum for each stage. And, uh, well, kind of four rounds minimum for each stage as well. So um, it's going to be pretty fun in the... um, in the particular area that I'm that I'm using, the targets are going to be out in a um, in a cornfield. Essentially, we won't be shooting from the cornfield. We'll be kind of shooting from some hilly area, uh, pasture type area. But the targets aren't necessarily going to be that hard to find on every stage. Some stages you might be able to just look out there and be able to pick out you know, all four of your targets with the naked eye. Some of them, they're going to be hiding in the trees and you're going to have to spend a little bit more time scanning for them. Uh, the stages where, where you're going to have a harder time finding the targets, you're not going to have really any time wrapped up in deciding how you're going to get a steady position. So those will probably be like the prone stages and stuff like that, where it'll be pretty obvious what you're going to do as far as a shooting position. The stages where the targets are real obvious that you'll be able to see with a naked eye, those were going to try and eat up some of your some of your time by figuring out a a positional shooting uh, solution. You know, so you might have to shoot off of your off the top of your backpack or deploy some shooting sticks or a tripod or something like that. So that's kind of how we're how we're approaching it. Um, some places you might might be able to see your first two or three targets um, from a prone position, but to be able to engage the second or you know or the third or fourth target, you might have to you might have to slide your rifle and your body over five ten feet uh, to be able to get a get a clean shot at those because there will be a tree or branches or something in the way. So. Um, it's definitely going to teach you how to how to think on your feet and you know be a problem solver. It's definitely going to be a challenge, and I think you're giving certain people way too much credit at finding targets because finding targets is still a, still my weakest link. Yeah, well, I'm I'm also assuming that we're going to have some snow on the ground, so they're probably going to stick out like a sore thumb. But uh, <laughs> see, snow can be a benefit. But you, you also might, you know, from a shooting position, you might not just see your four targets. You might see, you know, six to ten animal. targets from another stage. So you're going to have to get your glass up there and figure out which one you're shooting at and and uh, all of that. So um, there will be some, 
some difficulties with with that as well. It's not going to all be just completely straightforward from from that aspect, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a fun match. And you know, regardless of what skill level you are, I'm I'm going to do my best to try and test that skill. So, first two targets might be pretty easy to hit. Uh, second second two might be a little bit tougher. There might be some stages that are you know, fairly easy, but other stages that are, you know, really, really kick you in the teeth. But that's, um, I mean, that's hunting, right? Absolutely. So, some, Absolutely. So, some days you get, some days you go out and everything's perfect, and and uh, other days you spend hours and hours out there, you know, hiking or packing through, packing through the train, and you don't see anything. This is so. this is true. So there's going to be something for everybody. Yep. Awesome. Well, my friend, I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the show with us. Uh, I've had a, a fantastic time talking to you about all of our all of our different stories and thoughts and and your match. I can't wait to get there. Um, yeah, I mean, for more information on his match, go to nrlhunter.org. Uh, again, the Heartland Harvester in February uh, 19th through 21st. And we look forward to seeing everybody there. 